Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Student of the Gun University, a place for education and enlightenment. We help you gain a new perspective and understanding of firearms training. Your teacher today will be Professor Paul Markle, a veteran small arms and tactics instructor with 30 years of knowledge and experience. Grab your number two pencil, turn to page one, and let the learning begin. All right, thank you very much once again for that fantastic introduction. I am your host, Paul Markle. And it's time to talk about some learning, some training, some education. This is Student of the Gun University, right? University podcast. Let's talk about the value of team training. Yes, indeed. The American gun owner, I believe, has fallen into a rut, or maybe the uh, the American gun culture has fallen into a rut. Because gun owners don't train, do they? No, gun owners don't train, but the gun culture does. The gun culture does. We actually engage in training. Now, to be fair, to be fair, uh, the idea that the average American citizen would train with a handgun, would go out and uh, engage in handgun training, martial handgun training, was something that we had at the very beginning of our nation. Uh, We had the training bands, we had the militias, we had the citizen militias and training bands, which were imported from Europe, imported from England. Uh, We brought that concept with us. And then as time went by, as decades and centuries went by and we got really super comfortable as a nation, didn't we? And we erected and we built ourselves these monstrous cities. And uh, part of living in a city was, well, we had to be convinced by the powers that be that we shouldn't be armed and that citizens shouldn't carry guns. And then that was barbaric. And we should, if we're going to live together in cities, we should allow for the fact that the good people should voluntarily disarm themselves. Well, fortunately, that's been turned around now. Uh, We've seen uh, 50 to 100 years, 100 plus years of the failure of dumping people on top of each other in major cities and then disarming them at the same time. And we witnessed the current failure of that and the continuing failure of that in places like Chicago and New York and so on and so forth. So I I guess it's fair to say that the idea that citizens should not only arm themselves but engage in training is really, when it comes to the the total scheme of things or or the history of man, it's, it's, it's relatively new. But what have, we, what have we done in the United States? What we've done is we, we've created a system and it's become very dogmatic and, and very predictable. We have basic you know, firearms safety. We have basic firearms marksmanship. And you can go just about anywhere uh, and have somebody teach you the the safety rules, and basic marksmanship. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's like going to kindergarten. Uh, You wouldn't drop a kid straight into the third grade and say, all right, kids, start spelling out words and writing sentences and then start writing out paragraphs and stories and so forth before you taught them the alphabet, right? It would be kind of ridiculous. You wouldn't First, we teach children to recognize the letters and the sounds that the letters make. 
And then we take those letters and we put them into words and we pronounce them and then we put them into sentences and so on and so forth. And the same thing goes with firearms training. Before we would expect someone to work as a team or as a unit or to engage in tactics and and so forth, well, they need to know which end the bullet comes out of, right? They need to know how to put the the cartridges into the machine and uh, work the controls on the machine hold that thing still so that the projectiles hit the cardboard or the paper or the steel or whatever. You know, there there are certain fundamentals to firearms training, obviously. There's fundamentals to everything, you know. Um, when you sit down to learn how to the to play the piano, they, they teach you where to put your fingers on the keys, and they teach you how many keys there are. 88, by the way. Um uh, the black keys and the white keys and uh, you know when you learn how to read sheet music before you learn how to read sheet music you have to learn uh which those what notes are what which is a b c d and so forth uh g the g note the high note the all of that stuff those are the basics unfortunately though as gun owners and as a gun culture what we've done is we've allowed ourselves to fall into this dogmatic or predictable behavior where we learn the marksmanship part and we learn the fundamentals part and we master that or we get pretty good at it and then we stop because we think that's what you should do. That's where you stop. I know how to hit the target and I can go to the range and load up my gun and put a target out at five, seven, ten yards, whatever, and I can shoot all of the rounds most of the time into the center of the target and I don't hurt myself or anybody else, so I'm good. All right, cool. And most of our firearms training schools and our trainers have also fallen into a dogmatic and predictable way of doing things. They paint the lines on the ground, you know, they got a little asphalt, or some of them even go so far if they don't have lines painted on the ground. They, they put out ropes or they put out little signs that say seven or little signs that say five or little signs that say ten. So you know where to stand. We, we created a very predictable, dogmatic form of training. And we train people. Now, we train them together, but we train them to function as individuals. There might be six, seven, ten, twelve, fifteen people standing on the designated five-yard line. How do we know it's a five-yard line? Because there's a number five painted on a little sign, and then there's a rope or a, a yellow line or whatever on the ground, and we stand right there because we never would take shots at four yards. We would never take shots at six yards. We would never take shots at 7.5 yards, right? No, because every every encounter is going to either be at exactly 3, exactly 5, exactly 10, or exactly 15. And you say, oh, come on now, Paul. No, seriously, think about it. If you ever thought about it, you're like, why do we have to stand exactly at five, 5 yards? Can we stand at 4.5? Can we stand at 4? Can we stand at 6? Can we stand at 8? When's the last time you went to a range and they had an 8-yard line? Is, uh, um, I don't think they do. Yeah, We become dogmatic and predictable. We train people to function as individuals. And even though there's a dozen of us standing on the five-yard line, listening to the guy tell us what to do, we're all functioning and working as individuals. 
And we need to do that. It's like kindergarten. It's like first grade, second grade. We need to do that. We need to learn the ABCs. We need to learn how to form words and pronounce words and then put them together as sentences. But eventually what we should be doing is we should move on and we should be able to write paragraphs and short stories and novellas and so on and so forth with what we've been taught. Well, the exact same thing applies to firearms. Now, when you write a story or a novella or a paragraph, you're not just taking a bunch of words and jumbling them together, are you? Well, you shouldn't be. You're supposed to put the words in order so they make sense. And if you, when you were in what, fifth grade, sixth grade, when, what, what grade were you in when they first had you write a short story? The reason they do that is because they want to inspire creativity and thought in your brain. Rather than just engaging in rote memorization, when you get into the creative writing part, that's when they give you the freedom and the liberty to just write whatever it is you want to write. Now, you need to have the structure and the punctuation and so forth, but when it comes to creative writing, you are supposed to engage your brain and think. Think, right? So what is the ultimate goal of the American gun owner or the American gun culture or the armed citizen? What should be the ultimate goal of the armed citizen? Well, it should be the ability to think and make good decisions while holding on to a gun. It should be the ability to think and make good decisions during a bad situation, during a crisis, during a threat, during whatever. You need to be able to engage your brain and engage tactics. Now, you see, that's the thing. We talked previously, uh, I don't know, about a month or two ago, maybe three months ago, whatever. We talked about the four pillars of fighting or the four pillars of combat. Um, the book, Four Pillars of Fighting, you should know by now, is the one that, uh, that James Yeager, uh, it's James Yeager's book. It's his final book. Um, and I was asked by James uh, to take all of his notes. He had myriad notes. He had myriad notes. And uh, he asked me to take those, assemble them, and put them into book form. And that's what I did, and it became the four pillars of fighting. So the four pillars of fighting, the number one pillar, the top one, the most important one is mindset. How do we think? How do we behave? What choices do we make? And then next is tactics. And then next below that is skill. And then below that is gear. Now, you have to have skill and you have to have gear. But the thing is, is what we, and when we engage in this dogmatic, predictable training, we focus entirely on our gear and our skill. And often we leave out almost completely tactics and mindset. You say, well, duh, Paul, how am I supposed to, if I'm standing with 12 other people on the five-yard line and I'm listening to a guy behind me say, shooters, make ready, stand by, and fire, how am I supposed to engage in tactics? How am I supposed to engage in mindset? I don't even have to, I don't have to do any mindset. I'm essentially, when I'm standing there, I am a shooting robot. I will not do anything until I am given the command and the very specific command. And that's okay at the very beginning. But how do we learn 
to engage in proper mindset? How do we learn to use our mindset and use our tactics if all we ever do is stand at the five-yard line with 10 other people listening to a guy tell us everything to do and making sure that we don't do anything that we weren't told to do at any time? That's not tactics, right? It's not mindset. It's just skill and gear. Well, when you leave that range, the purpose of you being on that range is supposed to prepare you for what may happen to you off of the range, right? And off of the range, out in the real world, is where you need to be engaging your mindset and tactics. That's when those things become really important. How do we learn to do that? Well, if we're just going to stand as individuals on the five-yard line, it's really hard to. One of the best ways to learn to engage your mindset and your tactics is to work around and with other humans. <gasps> yes, indeed, to engage in actual team training. And like I said, you know, 10, 12, 15 people standing on the seven-yard line listening to a guy give them commands, that's not team training. Even though there's a bunch of people there, it's, it's, you're all just individuals. No, when you engage in team training, that forces you to use your brain to engage in mindset and tactics. Now, you have skill and gear also, but those things aren't the primary focus. Have you ever thought about that? I don't know. Maybe yes, maybe no. We have a uh, program called the Patriot Fire Team training camp it's a training camp and that's where you come together with other like-minded liberty-minded individuals you do that you come together with those people and you engage in actual real team training it's not just you as an individual person it's you working with other people and that forces you to think about and to consider the mindset portion and the tactics portion and how would you work around other people and with other people? Can you work with other people to achieve a goal? I believe that it's, well, we're, we're at the point now where I, 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 I say, I said believe already, but I, I firmly hold to the fact that these firearms training academies need to start evolving, and they need to remind the participants, the shooters, the gun owners, the gun culture, that yes, individual fundamental marksmanship training is important, but that's not where we stop. That's where we begin. That's where we begin. And unfortunately, a lot of places and a lot of, and a lot of people believe that the, the safety portion and the, and the marksmanship portion is it. That's it. We do that and we're done. Mm, no, that's not. There's way more to being an armed citizen than that. So consider the value of team training and whether you want to get involved in team training. And I think you should. All right, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to learn more uh, about what we offer and what we have, obviously you go to SOTGU and uh, sign up and give us your email address and we will send you notifications for for training and for all of the good stuff that we have. 
Thank you very much for being here. I truly appreciate your attention. Share this with someone else. I, I think that other people would get value from it. And remember, you're a beginner once, you're a student for life. Thanks for joining us today. We are big fans of the value for value model. Please go to SOTGU.com to contribute the amount that best fits the value that you got out of this lesson. It could be $5 or $5 million. By contributing, you will help the show grow and assist in the education of your peers. And remember, you are a beginner once, a student for life.